Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, we have set a time for what is being billed as the Limited Showdown of this year. It is 9 Eastern and 6 Pacific. That's the time that you are going to witness the Lords of Limited, Team Lords, crush Team Resources. <laughs> That's going to be Wednesday, September 30th, so just a couple days after this podcast releases. I am so pumped, Ben. We got we got in a few reps yesterday. Me, you, and Alex did uh, some practice team drafts on your stream. Yeah, we did some did some tryharding. <laughs> yeah, definite, definite tryharding. What's the big takeaway, Ben, from the, the tryharding practice? Big takeaway for me is don't, don't pass bombs and pay attention to what you think is going on on the left and right of you, but you still got to make sure that you draft a good deck. I, I don't know. The hook cutting thing, I think it's a thing, but I think it feels so dicey to me to try to do that and re- and rely on it. Yeah, I think it's overrated. I'm not I'm not sold. I don't know how how viable hook cutting is in in the days of like the amount of playables we have in these formats. Yep. So take takeaway is we feel we feel well prepared and I realized that the wheel is now pick 7 and not pick 9. So that, that was good as well. <laughs> Uh, oh no oh dear ben yeah so we're very very excited i think everybody's streaming it so um you know you can check out the perspectives of me ben or alex or lsv marshall or andrew beckstrom i think this is the greatest accomplishment for this is that we're reviving the marshall sutcliffe stream i think yeah i'm gassed yeah so it's gonna be sweet so that's gonna happen on wednesday very very excited for that and today we're gonna be you know we've been talking a lot about like big pictures into card stuff a lot of individual stuff about cards we haven't really talked about drafts yet. So we're going to look at a bunch of draft logs after we talk about a few of our initial impressions or like interesting decision points we've come up against. I think mostly with the modal double face cards versus synergy. I think that sort of raw power versus synergy discussion is really interesting. And we'll get to put that in perspective into a bunch of draft logs uh, that you and I have prepared. But before we get into that, a couple of housekeeping things. First things first, the Lords of Limited Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where you can go to get back to the show if you so choose. You know, if you're finding the information that we're pumping out here, each and every week is helping you out with your drafts and you want to get back to us, that's the way to do so. And we like to give folks something back in return as well. It's just this this loving wheel that keeps on turning. You get access to the Lords of Limited Discord for any and all uh, amounts that you give towards us via the Patreon. A lot of other stuff too, access to our show notes in advance of the episode, access to our uh, spreadsheets where we keep all our draft logs and deck picks and records and notes and stuff like that. So if you're you're looking for more limited content like that, the Patreon page is gas and the Discord is gas. And each and every week we want to welcome our new patrons. So Ben, will you please join me in welcoming Nick, Luke, Eric, Michael, Mark, Jesse, Glenn, Jason, Timrod, Vitaly, Pool, Duncan, Adam, Mon Jose, Stephen, Travis, Michael, Eden, Dagenjug, Kai, Njorn, and Alex. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, cannot say thank you enough. I had some doozies of names in there. Tripped up a few times. <laughs> how'd you, how'd you, how do you feel? Feel good? I feel like <laughs> I had like an, a 7 out of 10 maybe. 5 out of 7 maybe. Yeah, pretty good. In addition to you sponsoring the podcast directly via the Patreon, CFB is now also sponsoring a portion of our podcast. And as a part of that, we want to make sure we shout them out and send you over to channelfireball.com for all things magic related that you need. Ethan, Alex, and I have a lot of sweet stuff going on on the pro side. So if you've been on the fence about CFB Pro, we've got a lot of great things going on over there. One of the most recent is a limited archetype vault series where each of us is taking, uh, we're divided up the color pairs and we are doing deep dives on how to draft that archetype, including, you know, how you get into the deck, what are the payoffs, what are the enablers, sideboarding plans, all that sort of stuff. Um, So if you've been on the fence, 
great limited content happening on over at CFB Pro. So check that out. Again, we already talked about the Lords of Limited versus LR showdown happening on Wednesday with market calendars. That's this coming Wednesday, September 30th, 9 Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. And make sure when you do go over to CFB for any of your purchases, you use code LOL, all caps, when you check out to let Channel Fireball know that we sent you there. Great, great ad read there, Ben. <laughs> I practiced. I, was, I fumbled just, a bunch just... last week. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So before we dive into these draft logs, you've got some great bullet points here about navigating drafts in this format. Where do you want to start? Yeah, I think just kicking things off with the tribal aspect of the format. It's it's weird in that it's not a tribal format, but it kind of is in the sense that I think a lot of the best decks are tribal decks, right? You have the four tribal decks, warriors, wizards, clerics, etc., rogues, rattle three of them <laughs> off there. <laughs> three, etc. <laughs> and I think blue-green kicker also sort of functions as one of the tribal decks. So really there's five tribal decks and I think those are a lot of the best decks in the format and they really incentivize you to find your lane and stick with it while cutting cards that go in those decks. And there comes a time when there's tension, right? Because the modal double face cards are very rawly powerful, but then when you pass cards that go in those archetypes, it it messes you up and sends weird signals. And I think the other weird thing about the format is that a lot of those tribal decks don't really support multiple drafters if you're getting ideal versions of the decks. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good point, right? You don't want to end up in black-white with someone else in black-white at the table, ideally. Just because like you've got to get some of those uncommon payoffs, like the Relic, like Cleric of Life's Bond, etc. And if you're fighting over those with someone else, you're going to have a bad time. I think both of you just end up with decks that aren't going to 3-0 most often when there's somebody else in your tribe. Yeah, for sure. To that point, I've started to allow myself permission to pass the MDFCs, which sounds weird. I know we've been like hyping them so hard and I've sort of pumped the brakes a little bit. I talked about this last week about trying to calibrate with the rest of the world just because I don't see other folks coming up as high as they should be on those cards. So when you see Umara Wizard pick six or whatever... I've sort of allowed myself, as me may, may see in a draft later on, to not take that as my first blue card if I'm trying to carve out a lane for myself otherwise. Right. I do think that's interesting, right? And there is yes. there's there's benefits to both of those things. There's benefits to taking the Amara Wizard and there's benefits to carving out a lane. And that's not something that's talked about a lot in draft. But in this format, I do think you get rewarded for cutting those tribal archetypes more than you have in other formats in the past. Like I I am more worried about what I pass to my neighbor in this format than I ever have been before. I also think it's important to understand why you're getting into a color pair or or why you're getting into one of these archetypes. You know, I, I think as early as like pick five, it's very interesting. Like once you start with let's say you've got like two red cards two black cards you sort of feel priced in at that point to be red black where maybe you don't have like do you have an acquisitions expert do you have the like flame tongue kavu wizard do you have reasons to be in red black right now or are you just sort of deciding your red black without the the good payoffs for that color pair you know True. And I will say back to your point about giving yourself permission to pass the modal double face cards. I have also been doing that a little bit more recently. And I finally for the first time ever ended up in a deck without any. And let me tell you, it felt horrible. (laughs) I somehow somehow made it all the way to the finals. And I started talking smack about how I was going to post a deck and say MDFCs were overrated. And then Mm -hmm. promptly in games two and three in the finals, just mulliganed and got stuck on lands and... I'm going to be promptly reevaluating modal double-faced cards. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, they're very, very powerful. I I started, because I wrote an article on them for CFB this past week, um, I started trying to think about them in, in concrete tiers and really letting myself know which are the ones that I'm not trying to move into a color pair 
or a color four, like McKinney Stampede or Bane Veil, like the cards that I feel like are still C pluses, but I don't want them to be my my pulls into white or blue necessarily. Right. You don't want to pick McKinney Stampede as your first white card, letting it exactly letting it incentivize you to draft white. Right. Those are the kinds of cards like those, like Zoff Consumption, whatever. Like those are the kinds of cards that I feel like I want to then pick once I know I'm in that color rather than being like, well, MDFCs are sweet, so I'm going to take them early and then maybe ending up with a bit of a train wreck pile. Right. And I think to that point, there's also an interesting question with the better MDFCs, right? So then there's Mm -hmm. tension with synergy and raw power with the best MDFCs. So what's the line where you start taking, you know, you think you're white black and what's the line where you start taking Cleric Matters cards over cards like Black Broom Rogue, right? Like Black Broom Rogue is absurd. But then like, do you take, are you taking the one four that gains you a life over Black Bloom Rogue when you're hard in clerics? What, like, what is the line of the good synergy cards where you're taking synergy cards over a card like Black Bloom Rogue? I mean, if you're putting me on the spot here, that's a, a tough question to answer, right? There's a lot more variables that, that need to be filled in before you can, can answer a question like that. Like, are you definitely going to make playables? How many synergy pieces do you already have? But when you're you're putting Black Bloom Rogue up against like the perhaps biggest glue piece to the Cleric's deck, like Core Celebrant, then I'm probably taking Celebrant if I know I'm in Black White. Right. And it's interesting, right? And that's some of the questions that we're going to try to answer today going through some of these draft logs. But it is very much a case by case basis. There's not there's not a blanket heuristic that we can give you, I don't think, to settle that that question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And again, I think the answers that we come to to those questions today may be different in a week or two weeks from now, you know, right as the format continues to shift and as the valuing of modal double face cards continues to shift. Right. I think another question that is interesting for me when I'm drafting this format is what what cards are signals when and what cards aren't signals at at different times in the draft. So blue green and blue red specifically, I think tend up. So I think blue green and blue red specifically tend to end up sending bad signals fairly frequently because both of those color pairs are very deep both at common, there's just a lot of good commons that say, you know, kicker on them or are great instants or sorceries that belong well in wizards decks. So I think those two are archetypes that maybe can support multiple drafters, but even then it's tough and you want to make sure your neighbors aren't in them with you. Like I'd rather be drafting those with somebody on the opposite side of the table. Right. Well, I think because both of those have flexibility, right? You can be a blue green kicker deck or you can be a blue green splash other stuff deck with like reclaim the wastes or roiling regrowth or whatever. And blue red, I think can be a wizard's deck, but I also think it can be a party deck. Right. So for example, if you see a lull mage is familiar, you know, pick one pack four with an end of the royal in the pack. That's tough, right? If you're already in blue, do you take Lull Mage's Familiar and does that incentivize you to draft blue-green or do you just take Into the Royal? I think a lot of times you end up taking Into the Royal in that spot, but then you've passed this blue-green gold card, so it feels like you can't quite go into the kicker archetype. I don't know. I keep running into a lot of spots like that in drafts. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not... So you've got this next point is you you think what you pass matters more than normal in this format. Can you talk about that? Because I haven't thought about that in a while. Like I just generally try and warn people to not concern themselves with the signals they're sending or passing because you have no idea what the person to your left is going to think about. But what makes this format unique in that respect? I think that the tribal aspect of it and that I feel very much like you don't want somebody else in your archetype. There have been a couple times, several times, actually, I think that I have had spots where, you know, I've got a pack with three clerics cards or three wizards cards or three rogues cards or whatever. And I take one of those cards And it ends up being what I think I should do for my seat or what I end up carving out for myself in my seat. But my neighbor 
has taken one of those cards and not moved off it. And as a result, I just literally almost don't get a pack two, which feels pretty tough. And it's happened to me multiple times in this format. And you think that's different for this format because of the tribal aspect specifically? Yes. And I think, and because of how good the tribal decks are, like that those are the best decks. Yeah, that's interesting. So like, do you think then are you supposed to, if you have a pack with three rogues cards, are you just supposed to not take any of them? I don't know. It's tough. And I I think those are the questions we're going to try to answer here today. And I am interested in getting your perspective on all of them. And I think there's also there's also times that I've gotten myself into trouble with taking modal double face cards early and passing a lull mages familiar or whatever. Like maybe I take a Numara wizard, you know, and then it ends up seeming that I should be blue green, but then my neighbor's also in blue green. There's just it feels like there's a lot of tension in the format that way during the draft portion that I am not normally I agree with you. Under normal circumstances, I am not generally caring what I'm passing at all. Yeah. Yeah. I have uh just to continue talking about the MDFC's raw power, I've, I've started to, to cool on the MDFC value pile deck as something that like, I felt like I was navigating myself into that a lot because of how highly I was taking the double face cards. And I've tried to think of that more as an off ramp than as as something I'm, I'm trying to get into actively. Yes, those are that's how I have the format framed right now. And I'm curious to see if you agree or disagree. So my, my plan A is to try to get into one of these tribal decks. And if I can't, my off ramps are drafting red black party or the modal double face cards deck. Yes. And I'm like trying pretty hard. Maybe not trying pretty hard. I have not found myself getting into blue white basically ever. Yeah, it's tough. There's not a lot that incentivizes you to do that because usually if you manage to get into blue, there's better things to do than be blue white. Mm -hmm. And the white cards don't really push you towards blue white that much in my experience. Right. Like the biggest payoffs in blue white for partier or like practice tactics and shepherd of heroes. Like those aren't great incentives like the seafloor stalker is i think the best thing that blue white gets in terms of party and even then like you don't need to be party for that card to be good right all right well you want to kick things off with uh one of your draft logs here yeah let's do it all right so pack one pick one you've got several options here at common there's no real top commons there's a malakir blood priest that's one in a black for the two one that drains according to the number of creatures in your party when etbs uh, there's Shepherd of Heroes, four and a white for a three, four flyer. When ETBs, you gain two life for each party member you've got. But outside of that, I mean, and even then, those are, I'm hoping to first pick better things than those two cards. Uncommons, though, starts to get pretty exciting. There's a Vine Gecko, one and a green for a two, two. First kicked spell you cast each turn costs one less to cast. And whenever you cast a kick spell, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. There's a Cleric of Life's Bond, white, black for the two, two. Whenever a Cleric enters the battlefield under your control, you gain a life. And whenever you gain life for the first time each turn, Put a plus one, plus one counter on Cleric of Life's Bond. Another Cleric card here, an Attended Healer. Three and a white for a two, three Cleric. Whenever you gain life for the first time each turn, make a one, one Cat Creature token. And you can pay two and a white to give another Target Cleric lifelink until end of turn. Rare is the white-black uh, dual land, so not in consideration. Yeah, it's interesting here... If Vine Gecko isn't in the pack, what do you do? Like that that leads to your thought of like, this is a pack full of clerics cards. So what the heck am I supposed to do? So I think Vine Gecko is not only, I think, a nice card to avoid that, but also just a fantastic it's an enabler and a payoff for the kicker deck, which is pretty awesome. Like the play patterns of Gecko on two into Reclaim the Wastes on three or Into the Royal on three or Bubble Snare on three are just phenomenal. So I'm a huge fan of Vine Gecko and I'd take it here. But if Vine Gecko is a blank, what do you do? Right. So I, I landed on Vine Gecko also. So if Vine Gecko is a blank, I think this is where I'm at. I think you take Cleric of Life Spawn because I think that's the next best card in the pack, assuming you end up in the Cleric's deck. Like, I mean, Attended Healer wants to go in that same deck. So, but Cleric of Life's Bond is better. So I think you take Cleric of Life's Bond and then you just have to cut Cleric's cards. 
I don't think you can mess around with modal double face cards. I think you want to make very sure that you cut clerics as hard as you possibly can. Because the nice thing is you're guaranteed to wheel a card you'll be happy with in the deck. Like either Attended Healer, Shepherd of Heroes, Malakir Blood Priest, even the black-white dual land you'd be happy to wheel. Right. There's also, worst case scenario, an Angel Heart Protector, the two and a white 3-2 cleric. I mean, if that's the only card that's left by the time it wheels and you've been cutting clerics, you are in trouble, my friend. Yeah, well, but not to say that people haven't taken those cards and then moved off them because you've been cutting it. That's fair. That's fair. So interesting, I think, uh, but did land on the Vine Gecko. So pack one, pick two, see the following cards as options. Uh, There's a Rabid Bite and a Gnarled Colony as two of the top green commons. Moving on to the uncommons, there's a Roost of Drakes, blue enchantment, kicker two and a blue. When it ETBs, if it was kicked, make a 2-2 blue Drake creature token with flying. Whenever you cast a kick spell, create a 2-2 blue Drake creature token with flying. Um, and that's the best uncommon and the rare is missing. So, I mean, not not the most interesting pick in the world here. The, there's a Moss Pit Skeleton as well, the black, green, gold uncommon. Yeah, I mean, you're just slamming and jamming this Roost of Drakes. Yep. Yeah, so Vine Gecko into Roost of Drakes is a great start. Pack one, pick three. This is where I was really unsure about what to do. Um, so no commons in consideration at all, really. Best common is Feed the Swarm, but we're not going to let that push us into black with the start that we've had. In the uncommons, there's a second Vine Gecko here, as well as Umara Wizard, which is the four and a blue, four, three modal double face card that gains flying whenever you cast an instant sorcery or wizard spell. So for my money, I think it's Vine Gecko here. It just like, that's such an absurd start to kicker. Gecko, Roost, Gecko. So I'm interested to hear, like, how low do you go before you take Umara Wizard? Like, so let's say Into the Royal is here instead of Vine Gecko versus Umara Wizard. I think you're still supposed to take Into the Royal. I agree. I think you're still supposed to take Into the Royal. Bubble Snare? Yeah, Bubble Snare. I think you're supposed to take Bubble Snare. How about, like, Gnarled Colony? I think I would take Umara Wizard then because I would still feel like I could... I think blue cards I'm much more excited to take because I definitely want to be blue with a Roost of Drakes. Like, I think I'd even take a Tazim Royal Mage. Okay, how about Cunning Geyser Mage? The Bounce Uh, Creature. That's tough. I think I'd take Umara Wizard. I think that's the line. Okay, so the line is Tazim Royal Mage versus Cunning Geyser Mage. That's interesting, right? Like, you have to have this, like, second layer. So you not only have to have a pick order in your head, but then you have to have these lines of once I'm in a synergy deck, what's my synergy versus MDFC value raw power line in terms of what I'm willing to take? Right, and I think it changes. So if... If you're if we back up, if we just delete pack one, pick one and your your pack one, pick one is Roost of Drakes and you're looking at Vine Gecko or Amara Wizard pack one, pick two. I think you're supposed to take Umara Wizard. Correct. Because, well, and this is so unique to Roost, but Roost just has so many inherent synergies in blue that you can end up. I mean, you would like to be blue green, but you can end up in any of the four color pairs with a good Roost of Drakes package. Right. But so do you see how many dials there are that we can tweak there to just like <laughs> flip this one pick back and forth? And it feels like these decisions come up so often in the format. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the reasons I think this draft format, it's so hard for me to imagine this format getting old, even like a couple months down the road. Right. It is It is very fun to draft. So we've gone Vine Gecko, Rooster Drakes, and I think we take the second Vine Gecko here because we have an absurd kicker start. So moving on to pack one, pick four. This pick is not super interesting. Uh, there's no great commons here with Kicker, and there is a modal double-faced card in Jawari Disruption. But I'm gonna I'm gonna insert a common here so that we can we can have more of these conversations. So Jawari Disruption versus let's say 
Cunning Geyser Mage. Like that's probably one of the lesser impactful kicker cards that you could take here. What would you have? What would you do with two Vine Geckos, a Roost of Drakes? You've got Juari Disruption versus Cunning Geyser Mage. I think I'm taking Geyser Mage. I think I'm taking Geyser Mage too. And I don't think I would have made that pick a week ago. No, I don't think so either. And but then again, we can what so let's say Geyser Mage is in the pack. If we go all the way up to Amara Wizard, are you taking Amara Wizard here as the MDFC? <laughs> It's so hard. (laughs) That's so hard. I think you're still, I think you're just with that start of double gecko and roost. I think anything that says kicker in blue and green, I think you're just supposed to take over MDFCs. So you're just, you're just taking gnarly colony. You're taking it all. I think so. I mean, I'm not taking shell shield or whatever, you know, like there, there is a line there at some point, but most of those I think I am taking. And like might have Marasa, you're not taking, right? Probably not might. Yeah, exactly. So like any C plus level type. Yeah. I mean, even Geyser Mage, I think is probably like a C. So maybe even C level kicker cards. But yeah, it's it's tough. Yeah. So that was that was my first draft there. And I think there's a lot of interesting, interesting things to talk about with the synergy versus modal double face card there. Yeah, sweet. All right. So for my first draft log here, this is from Arena, which still unfortunately is not saving uh, pack one pick ones, but it's not actually super interesting because we take Felidar Retreat, which I do believe is just the best card in the set. Is that correct? I think so. I, it's not like the most raw power, but it is the the convergence of raw power and difficult to interact with, I think. Yeah, so this is the three and white enchantment with landfall. Uh, you choose one, create a two, two white cat beast creature token, or put a plus plus one counter on each creature you control. They gain vigilance until end of turn. So snap that up, pack one, pick one, and then pack one, pick two. See the following cards as options. Uh, only white card in the pack is angel heart protector. That's not really in consideration. Uh, a number of black removal spells, vanquish the weak, and deadly alliance at common. Um, other top commons that stand out, uh, Grotag Bugcatcher, one on red, one, two, trample. When it attacks, gets plus one, plus oh for each creature in your party. And then three uncommons still in the pack, Thundering Spark Mage, that's the three in a red, two, two, wizard. When it ETBs, deals X damage to target creature or planeswalker, where X is the number of creatures in your party. Demon's Disciple, two in a black for a three, one, cleric. When it ETBs, each player sacks a creature or planeswalker. And the MDFC is still in the pack, Akum Warrior, five in a red for the four, five with Trample. And on the other side, it's a red tap land. Yeah, so for me, this boils down to Akum Warrior as I think the most rawly powerful card in the pack versus Deadly Alliance, which is the best interaction card in the pack, I think. And I think pack one, pick one, I would take Akum Warrior over Deadly Alliance. So I think, you know, I think that's my choice here because we're, we're forcing ourselves to branch out into a second color just based on what's in the pack. Yeah, so I landed on Akum Warrior as well. Moving on to pack one, pick three, uh, white cards, a couple landfall Creatures with McKinney Ox as the five mana four four landfall tap a creature and prowling Felidar three and a white two three vigilance landfall plus one plus one counter. Um, not super exciting. And then as we move to the uncommons, there's a relic amulet. That's the uh, two mana artifact. Whenever you cast an instant sorcery or wizard spell, you put a charge counter on it and you can pay two tap to remove all charge counters from it to deal that much damage to target creature. Kazul's Fury, this is two in a red for the instant as an additional cost to cast it, sack a creature, deals damage equal to the sacrificed creature's power to any target, and it's an MDFC. 
And Brushfire Elemental as well, red-green for the 1-1 haste, can't be blocked by creatures with power 2 or less, and has landfall plus 2 plus 2 until end of turn. Here's a question for you. Does does Relic Amulet incentivize you to draft a Wizards deck here? I, I think I need to move this card up in my pick order. I just, like, have not... The times I've seen this card, it has not impressed me, but I know everyone is real hot and bothered on this card. But I, <laughs> I don't... Like, it doesn't stick out to me in packs. It's like one of those cards that I don't see that often. Yeah, I don't think it's quite at that level for me, but it has been very impressive in the Wizards decks that I've had it in. There's just, and it's, I think it's one where you start at main and there's matchups where it's absurd. And then when you're against like green black or the modal double face pile decks that want to go a little bigger and a little taller, you cite it out. But this card just destroys decks with small creatures. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I don't think it's a choice for me here. So what, what sticks out to you here otherwise? So Kazul's Fury sticks out to me and Gnarled Colony. It's basically trying to decide between those two cards. I have Gnarled Colony ahead of Rabid Bite, I think, in my my green common order. And I think there's a lot there's a lot of upside here for taking Kazul's Fury because it we're a hundred percent to play Felidar Retreat. I think there is there is no world where we're not splashing that or not playing white. I'm just jamming two planes in my any deck yes. to play that. I think. Well, and right? you're you're going to pick up some white modal double face cards. Like you'll you'll be able to make it work. Sure. So I think Kazul's Fury matches up well with your Akum Warrior in that it lets you start to do the modal double face cards splashing themselves thing with two red modal double face cards. So you don't even necessarily need to feel like you're red. So I think I like taking Kazul's Fury and just feeling very open at this point. Yeah. When I started the format, Kazul's Fury. Fury and Song Mad Treachery were very close in my estimation. So Song Mad Treachery is the five mana active treason variant. Um, I, I really have moved much lower on Song Mad Treachery just because I feel like it so rarely does the thing. Whereas I think Kazul's Fury is really awesome, especially in conjunction with Hellion. Like just being Hellion or Stomper, really being able to like pick this up late in the game and then chuck a four power six power creature at something ideally your opponent's face is really strong <laughs> yeah i agree because those is much better than the active treason variant i agree yeah um so that is what i landed on here and then already i'm sort of starting to think like well it feels like now i've got two strong red mdfcs and maybe i'm not that I have to move towards MDFC value pile, but that is the direction I'm starting to think my deck is going with this start. Yeah, I agree. Uh, next up in pack one, pick four. This is kind of an interesting choice, maybe. I mean, maybe not interesting for, for us here, but so the best common in the pack, there's a Nahiri's Binding, the one white white aura enchanted creature can't attack or block when its activated abilities can't be activated. In terms of red cards, there's a Cleansing Wildfire, one in a red, destroy a land, search up a land, draw a card. Expedition Champion, two in red for the 2-3 Warrior, gets plus 2 plus 0 oh, as long as you control another Warrior. Moving on to the Uncommons, Malakir Rebirth. I think you and I are higher on this than most folks. Uh, this is the single black MDFC for an instant. Choose target creature, you lose 2 life until end of turn. That creature gains 1, this creature dies, return it to the battlefield, tapped under its owner's control. And then Lolmage's Domination, X triple blue for a sorcery. Gain control of target creature with converted mana cost X, and the spell costs three less to cast if it targets a creature whose controller has eight or more cards in their graveyard. There is a lot of text on every single card in this format. There is a lot of text, yeah. So I think this pick might be a little unintuitive for some people. Like, I think a lot of people would see Nahiri's Binding here and see Felidar Retreat. We have a white, white bomb rare, Nahiri's Binding, white common removal spell. Let's snap up the Nahiri's Binding and be red-white. I'm low enough on Nahiri's Binding that it it doesn't make me want to put it in my deck, even with a card as good as Felidar Retreat. Like if I pick yeah. it up, sure, great. But I I just have faith 
that I will be able to play Felidar Retreat without being white. And Nahiri's Binding is not good enough to make me want to go harder down the white route. So for me, this is between Malakir Rebirth and Lull Mage's Domination. And normally I would like taking Lull Mage's Domination here, except we have this Felidar Retreat and I'm not convinced we're going to be white yet. So at triple blue on Lull Mage's Domination plus a potential splash on Felidar Retreat is asking a lot of your mana base, even with as many sources as you potentially get to run in this format. So I think mm-hmm. I just like taking Malakir Rebirth here as another modal double face card and seeing what comes. Yeah, and that's where I landed as well. All right, so pack one, pick five with Felidar Retreat, the two red MDFCs and one black MDFC in our pile. We see a pack with Spitfire Legac. That's a three and a red, three, four lizard landfall deal damage to each opponent. Expedition Healer as a white common, one on a white 2-2 Vigilance, has lifelink as long as you control another cleric. No good black cards, there's Blood Price and Mind Carver, that's the uncommon equipment. And then an MDFC still in the pack, McKinney Stampede, three white white for the sorcery creatures you control get plus two, plus two until end of turn. Mind Carver has been real bad, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I've seen it played once. It's very unimpressive. Yeah, not not even good even in the rogues deck, I don't think. No, it, the rogues deck doesn't need that. Yeah, so for me, this is between, I think, Spitfire Legac as the best red card and McKinney Stampede as a modal double face card that could potentially help us splash Felidar Retreat, maybe get cast later in the game, that sort of thing. And I like Spitfire Lagak a fair amount, but I'm not convinced we're red yet, and I would rather take the white modal double face card here to potentially splash Felidar Retreat or end up as, you know, a strong card in a white X deck, whatever we end up pairing with our, our white here if we end up going down that route. But I think, you know, if you change Spitfire Legac to Pyroclastic Hellion, I think all of a sudden I'm taking the Hellion here because we have three modal double face cards to pick up already. But just a Spitfire Legac is filler enough. Like, it's good filler. It's a good C. But I think it's filler enough that I want to take a flyer here on the McKinney Stampede and keep myself open. Yeah, I think in retrospect, I do like that, especially because because of how McKinney Stampede plays with Felidar Retreat, you know, like Felidar Retreat as a 2-2 factory, and then you're interested in that sort of overrun variant. But I, I agree. I was thinking that, like, I would rather have three red cards than two white cards, two red cards to, like, decide what color I am. But I think the fact that four of the five cards that we would have are MDFCs gives us a lot of flexibility in terms of not deciding really what, what any of our base colors are yet. Right. That's where my head's at with the McKinney Stampede pick. Yeah, that makes sense. I took the Ligak, but I like taking Stampede. So this draft is super interesting. Uh, we'll, we'll probably stop stop here in terms of what we're going to review, but I would encourage folks who, who see the link in, in our little show notes there to follow along because we don't end up actually playing red at all in this uh, in this draft, Ben. Whoa. Yeah. We have a weird pack two, which culminates in a pack two pick seven cleric of life spawned. So after thinking that I was red, black, splashing white, I had like three pyroclastic hellions to pick up my MDFCs. We ended up moving into a pretty darn good black white clerics deck. Yeah, I'm looking at this deck pick here and it looks really nice. Yeah, so that was that. So the really interesting draft log. And I think that a lot of the times with those gold uncommons and i'm curious to hear where you're at Uh, i am much more interested in finding my way naturally into those color pairs you know we're talking about like trying to carve out a lane but i feel like it's the the drafts that go the best for me are the ones where i find myself in black and then i get a cleric of life's bond pick five or whatever i mean this is an absurdly late one but this is this can sort of happen right no one stakes their claim as black white in pack one and then if a bunch of that type of card or those payoffs are open in pack two they're gonna make their way around the table because people have already settled in Right. I I do agree that those are the best drafts and the best way to get into it. It goes back to 
on almost for us. You know, where we were just saying, if you see those gold, you know, tribal cards in the picks four to six range, just trust that that's a signal and that you should be willing to get into that archetype. I think that is still true here in this format. For sure. All right. So we're moving on to one of my drafts here. This is pack one, pick one. Again, there's some good comments here, but nothing absurd. There's a deadly alliance as probably the only standout common four and a black for the instant destroy target creature or planeswalker and costs one less to cast for each creature in your party. So I want to talk to you about deadly alliance real quick. Yes. What's your current ranking of the three black removal spells? Deadly Alliance, Feed the Swarm, and Vanquish the Weak. It's awkward. They're all very close. I think Vanquish is solidly in third for me. Uh, I think I want my first Feed the Swarm before I want my first Deadly Alliance, but I'm kind of realizing that other people don't think that way, so I probably still will end up... I I really want to end up with exactly one Feed the Swarm. Like that's very important to me in every black deck because there's so many good enchantments running around that you just get to interact with for free. Like when Feed the Swarm blows up a Roost of Drakes, you feel like a million dollars. And if that card is Deadly Alliance in your hand, you're losing that game. And I think Deadly Alliance doesn't always do the thing you want it to do early. Whereas Feed the Swarm, you can snap off at any point. Like when Deadly Alliance costs five or four, it's still kind of clunky and you can't really use it in its cheap mode early in the game, which is part of the power of removal spells, right? Like you can snap off Royal Eruption on turn two to kill their two drop if you need to. Deadly Alliance, you can't really do that with and Feed the Swarm you can at the cost of, you know, two or three life or whatever. But I think most of the time you're willing to pay two or three life to reduce the casting cost of, you know, like if you're comparing Deadly Alliance to Feed the Swarm five to two, you're willing to pay two to three life to get your removal spell to always cost two mana, you know? There's, there's something to be said for that. But after the first copy of Feed the Swarm, I think there's diminishing returns. And I would definitely pick, you know, my next two deadly alliances over Feed the Swarm. Yeah, yeah, I think it's interesting. I think I am a lot higher on Feed the Swarm than I was last week. Yeah, it's a good card. There's just, there's, you know, when you can blow up a bubble snare for one life, free a creature up, there's just things it does. And the fact that Kicker exists means, you know, you can blow up a Gnarled Colony as a, as a potent threat and only pay two life. You can blow up a Kicked Ghastly Gloom Hunter for only two life, you know, blow up Bubble Snare for only one life. Like, a lot of the things that you want to kill that are large threats, Skyclave Sentinel, that's a four five, that only is going to net you three life lost, you know? So it, I think Kicker is an interesting factor to that card. Right. Um, so Deadly Alliance here, moving on to the uncommons, there's three kind of medium ones. The of them is acquisitions expert whoa <laughs> whoa you got your acquisitions expert is like a b yeah, yeah i'm outraged a b minus maybe one in a black for the one two when etb's target opponent reveals a number of cards from their hand equal to the number of creatures in your party you choose one of those cards that player discards that card uh there's also an iridescent horn beetle four and a green for the three four at the beginning of your end step create a one one green insect creature token for each plus one plus one counter you've put on creatures under your control this turn every draft i have done ever i've seen this card go absurdly late and i finally drafted green black counters no iridescent horn beetles to be found anywhere. Wow. Feels bad, man. What's what's it like, Ben? I know. To, to be the unluckiest magic player. It's it's tough. <laughs> Last uncommon's a kite sail cleric. White for a 1-1 flyer with kicker two and a white. And when ETBs, if it was kicked, tap up to two target creatures. I really like that little guy. It's fine, right? Acquisitions expert is the best uncommon, though. Yes. Where are you at before we get to our rear that ruins all of this? Where are you at on Mm -hmm. Acquisitions Expert versus Deadly Alliance? Acquisitions Expert, baby. That one's close for me. I think I would be on Expert also. Yeah, it doesn't feel that close to me. I have been 
absurdly impressed by acquisitions expert yeah it's it's been good because the thing about expert i guess outside of blue black really and but even then it's fine like the floor of burglar rats is great but this is also just such a good include as like your off tribal card in clerics because it often gives you a choice of two and then if you're in red black party like by turn four you know if you go like two drop three drop and then can maybe even double spell on four and see your opponent's entire hand or three of their four cards like it's so broken yeah, I agree. It's been good. Pumping your bug catcher, whatever. I, I love Red Black Party. <laughs> I love Red Black Party also. I think it's one of the best decks in the format, and I think it is the, the best deck that exists at Common. Exactly, right? That's the thing where you, when you compare Red Black Party to Blue White Party, the, the payoffs at Common, like bug catcher, like I forget which one it is. It's the oh the Blood Priest, like draining three. So good. Yeah, it's, it's really good and comes together strictly on the back of commons. And then the uncommons are all of a power level that don't really incentivize you to draft the deck. But when you're in the deck, they're very good. So you, you just start by red or black being open and end up in red black. And then all of a sudden you're getting these late uncommons potentially passed to you very late. I think it's a really good deck. Yep. But what's the red that's going to ruin all our fun here? Ameria's Call, four white, white, white for a mythic sorcery. Make two, four, four, white angel warrior creature tokens with flying. Non-angel creatures you control gain indestructible until your next turn, as if two, four, four angels wasn't enough from your land. Yeah. This is one of the actual factual bombs in the set. And there, there's really only about a dozen in my mind, um, but this card is nuts. Yep. So we slammed Ameria's Call here. Moving on to pack one, pick two. Not a lot of great commons again. There's Malakir Blood Priest, the one in a black 2-1. When it ETBs, drains equal the number of creatures in your party. There's an Ardent Electromancer, which is also absurd in the red-black deck, speaking of. Bugcatcher into Ardent Electromancer plus another 2-drop is one of the best aggressive starts you can have in the format. Um, so Agree. 2 and a red for the 3-2 adds a red to your mana pool for each creature in your party when it ETBs. Uh, moving on to the uncommons, there's Thundering Spark Mage, which is the FTK for party. And there's Kazul's Fury, which is the a red modal double face card that lets you sack a creature and deal damage equal to the sacrifice creature's power to any target. Yeah, I mean, it feels bad. The best white card in the pack is Expedition Healer, but like, this just sort of speaks to the low power of white. Like, I would normally be like, Amiria's Call is a card you want to hold on to for dear life, because it, unlike something like Kazul's Fury, like, it can't be as a part of a, like, splash itself package, you know? Like, you've got to be white to reap the power level benefits of that card. But you can't take Healer over, I mean, it, kind of like a number of these cards, like Kazul's Fury, Spark Mage, even Malakir Blood Priest is just better than it, uh, though that's probably where you draw the line and, and you stick to your, your bomb mythic. But I, I, I like taking Kazul's Fury here as, as the most flexible card in the pack. Now, let me run this by you. So we've got a <laughs> lot of cards here that slot into red black right we've got malakir blood yes. priest we've got ardent electromancer we've got thundering spark mage i'm a little nervous about going into red black after picking kazool's fury out of this pack do you feel that at all i don't because i'm not sure so well one why are you assuming we're going to red black are you just talking i'm about not i'm just talking hypothetically so let's say you started with acquisitions expert instead no 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 like I, I'm saying from this point forward, if I felt like Red Black was open in my seat, like I had to abandon Amaria's call for whatever reason, and I thought Red Black was the thing to do, I, I'd be a little nervous about it. I guess, except like a lot of these cards people think just slot into other decks too. Like Malakir Blood Priest can just go in a Cleric's deck. Yeah, that's fair. Ardent Electromancer, people just play in a Wizard's deck. Expedition Skulker, people can just play in a Rogue's deck. I just think like 
The only card really is Thundering Spark Mage, and I don't think people are taking that card that high. I agree. That card's been very impressive for me, though. Even just outside of Red Black, because it's a wizard itself, it so frequently mm-hmm. does two damage, and it's not that hard to get it to do three. Yeah, I mean, it depends. I think that like in your most dedicated blue-red decks, or in the best versions of blue-red decks, this is dealing one. Sure, I think it's not a blue-red card. It's a, it's a red-any-other-color yeah. pair card. <laughs> right, exactly right. But it goes nicely in, in Red-White Warriors. Yeah, obviously great in Red-Black, red and then if you you're in a red green pile you probably have some some warriors floating around as well yep all right moving on to pack one pick three with a kazool's fury and an ameria's call in our pile again no great commons here there's reclaim the waste screen for a sorcery kicker three search your library for basic land card reveal it put it in your hand if you kick it you get two lands instead there's the bug catcher we've been raving about one in a red for a one two trample when it attacks gets plus one plus out until end of turn for each creature in your party uh, moving on to the uncommons there's a couple really good ones here wind rider wizard Two and a blue for a 2-2 flyer. When you cast an instant sorcery or wizard spell, you may draw a card if you do discard a card. And modal double face card, Salundi Vision, lets you look at the top six and reveal an instant or sorcery for two and a blue and put that into your hand and is a blue tap land on the other side. Yeah, so Salundi Vision is in my doesn't pull me into a color tier of cards. So I think I have Windrider Wizard as a pull into blue or even Grotag Bugcatcher to just like stick to red with the Kazool's Fury ahead of Salundi Vision here. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I am higher on Salundi Vision than that, but I think I am less high on it than I was at the time I did this draft. I think I would be deciding between Bugcatcher and Vision still. I think I would be on Vision over Windrider Wizard. Why? I think Windrider Wizard is a huge pull into blue, or I guess into blue-red. I think that's where the rub is. I think I'm a little lower on Windrider Wizard and a little higher on Salundi Vision than you are, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's why, but I could be underrating Windrider Wizard completely. Yeah, I, I like Windrider. I like uh, Windrake with, with Upside. So pack one, pick one, or you're on Wizard over Vision? Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's really close. I, I don't know what's right there. I don't have enough experience with Windrider Wizard to know. Yeah, I just feel like, I feel like it, at the very least, I think Vision is a C plus and Wizard is a B minus in my mind. Yep. I, I think I've got vision at B minus as well. Gotcha. So Grotech Bugcatcher, I think I would also be deciding between, and I don't I don't know. I, I don't know what's right here. This is one of those interesting spots where I think you can make a case for any of those three cards. Yeah, it's tough because I, I again would think to your point of like, you know, you, you take Kazool's Fury and then you take Grotech Bugcatcher, but in that last pack, you passed seven, six other red cards. Like, not that some of them are, are that great, like an inordinate rage or tuck tuck rubble for it, but still like that amount of red cards are going to put some number of people to your left into red and, and perhaps into red party specifically, which is where bug catcher is going to shine. So there's there's already pack one pick three. You, you can start thinking about those diminishing returns in terms of what you've passed. I'm starting to remember what my thought process was here as well. And I think I also didn't take bug catcher here because I really wanted to play with Amerius call and bug catcher wants to beat down and Amerius call you're not going to leverage to its fact maximum potential in a deck that wants to beat down. So I think that's why I ended up on the vision because vision also finds Amerius call. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe I'm, I'm too quickly abandoning this bomb here, pack one, pick one. Um, interesting choices there. So I did end up taking the visions. We've got three modal double face cards already. Moving on to pack one, pick four. See the following cards as options. There's a Tazim Raptor, two and a white for a two, two flyer. When ETBs, you can return a land you control to its owner's hand. There's also Song Mad Treachery is another modal double face card, the act of treason effect. And our rare Archon of Ameria, two and a white for a two, three flyer. Each player can't cast more than one spell each turn. Non-basic lands your opponent's control enter the battlefield tapped. Yeah, I've, I've seen Archon of Ameria once on the other side of the battlefield, and it 
was not great, especially because I got to set up a turn where like, you know, we're only single spelling. And then on my turn, I got to like kill it and then do something else felt like a pretty big swing. So I, I think this card is not that good. This feels more like a constructed card than a limited card to me. I'd buy it. Um, Tazim Raptor, however, is just a, a gift here. That's a, that's awesome. So you get to play your Emiria's Call early and then pick it up later with Raptor. Yeah, so I took the Raptor here. I thought I was tempted by the Royal Mage to rebuy my Emiria's Call, but I figured oh, if get I get out of here, <laughs> I figured if I cast Emiria's Call the first time, Jesus. <laughs> it was probably good enough. Um, so yeah, I did. <laughs> I did land on the Tazim Raptor. Pack one, pick five, landed on another Tazim Raptor. Pack one, pick six, did get the Tazim Royal Mage to potentially live the dream um, and ended up settling into a base green white deck here that took advantage of a lot of modal double face cards it was a really sweet deck um, and really maximized Amaria's call and my other modal double face cards and was a was a cool brew that's gas all right so my next draft here that we're going to take a look at is again from arena so womp womp i do not have the pack one pick one here but i do remember what happened so I, we opened akiri fearless voyager as our rare one red white for a three three core warrior whenever you attack a player with one or more equipped creatures draw a card and you can pay white to unattach an equipment from a creature you control if you do tap that creature and it gains indestructible until end of turn and i was like i have not played warriors yet and i think this is a reason to draft this and maybe try and force it for science yeah sweet so that's what we grab pack one pick one and then all of a sudden got some some choices here pack one pick two not really any good commons to speak of there's rabbit bite in terms of white or red cards i'd say i mean we got a bunch of junkers like farsighted up the three mana three three wizard etvs both players draw card kabira outrider the four mana three three it is a warrior uh, when it etbs target creature gets plus and plus one until end of turn for each creature in your party moving on to the uncommons there's thundering spark mage that's the flame tongue kabu wizard and your mdfc one of the best ones balaged recovery two and a green for a sorcery return target card from your graveyard to your hand yeah this is interesting i think so None of the commons hold a candle to Thundering Spark Mage or Balaged Recovery, right? Agreed. And if this is pack one, pick one, I think you're slamming Balaged Recovery over Thundering Spark Mage, yeah? Agreed. Yeah. So with Akiri, is Thundering Spark Mage good enough to make you want to take it over Balaged Recovery? I think early on in the format, I would take Balaged Recovery over Thundering Spark Mage because I was pretty hot on the MDFCs. Balaged Recovery is one of the best. Now... There's, I, I'm not for a couple reasons. I'm taking Thundering Spark Mage because I think it's very good in a Warriors deck because it's a four mana 2-2 two, two that deals two in ETBs. And I think that's just mm -hmm. at, at its floor in a Warriors deck. I think that's a good card in the Warriors deck. And the other reason I like taking it here is because I think Red Black is awesome. And like you could just abandon your Akiri and draft a very good Red Black deck. Well, and the third factor is I do think Red White can be party and Akiri is totally fine. Akiri doesn't really care about Warriors. Like it just cares that you have equipment. So I definitely think you have a ramp to do that as well sure yeah i i like the spark mage pick here and i think it it's awkward right with the modal double face cards because they are so good and we had to say you know modal double face cards are great because the world's taking them too low but there there is a world where you can take them too highly as well and finding that middle ground is gonna be key and i think in general when you've got a choice between a very good synergistic card for your deck and a modal double face card, I think you're supposed to take the very good synergistic card. So let me, let me throw this one at you. What if Thundering Spark Mage is a blank, but instead there's a Grotag Bug Catcher in the pack? Ah, 
<laughs> I think I'm taking Bal to get recovery. I think I'm on Bug Catcher. Maybe that's crazy. It's very close, I think. Closer than you would have thought initially? Closer than I would have thought, yeah, ever, a week yeah. ago. I mean, yeah, right? just on a power level scale, Balaget Recovery laughs at Bugcatcher, right? Sure, but like you're giving yourself the opportunity to start off on like a nuts warrior start. Yeah, and then what happens if you get pushed off of it? Well, you feel bad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> What happens if you end up with a bad deck? Oh, then I end up with a bad deck, you know? I just think it's it's interesting, right? Because there's, there's a world where, I mean, you know, drafting the hard way is the Ben S method, right? There's a world, mm-hmm. I think, in this format where you can draft too much the hard way and never get in a lane and end up with a bad deck as a result. That's what I worry about. I mean, maybe it's still too early and we can feel things out, but that's what I kind of worry about, about taking Balaged Recovery. There's no world, the, the, the biggest problem I have is that there's no world where Balaged Recovery and Akiri end up in the same deck. Yes, I agree. And so that does, that just feels bad to me. But aren't there, aren't there plenty of times in other formats where we've made those picks and you're just drafting two decks simultaneously and you end up in the one that's more open? Yeah, but I think the thing that you're talking about of like, I mean, not, not that I think Spark Mage or even Bugcatcher are going to push the person to my left into Warriors, but that idea of, let's say I do end up passing those cards, finding my way into Warriors, and then I don't get a pack two, that's a huge feels bad. Yeah. I, I, I am, I would be very curious to see what pros like Ben S or LSB would do with this pick right now, with where they're at in the format. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll get to find out on Wednesday when we face <laughs> off against said LSV. So I, I grabbed Thundering Spark Mage here, and, and this is, it gets maybe maybe not quite as interesting in this next pack, but it, it is it is interesting here. So um, in terms of red-white cards at common, um, Practiced Tactics and Scorch Rider are the two that stand out to me. I think Teeter Peak Ambusher is pretty much trash, and Smite the Monsters is sideboard. Um, moving on to the uncommons, all three are still here. Umara Mystic, one blue red for the one three Merfolk Wizard with flying. Whenever you cast an instant sorcery or wizard spell, it gets plus two plus oh until end of turn. Emiria Captain, three and a white for the one one Angel Warrior, flying vigilance when it enters the battlefield, put a plus one plus one counter on it for each creature in your party. And Black Bloom Rogue, still here. Two and a black for the two three Human Rogue Menace, gets plus three plus oh as long as an opponent has eight or more cards in their graveyard. And if that wasn't enough, it's a land on the other side. Yeah, so this is interesting. I mean, I think you can make a case for any of the uncommons here. Uh, none of the commons are in consideration. For me, it's between Ameria Captain and Black Bloom Rogue. And the the case for Ameria Captain is, you know, we're in Warriors. We've got the Thundering Spark Mage. It's not that unreasonable to think you're going to have some non-warrior types for your Ameria Captain, for your Ameria Captain to be a three-three flyer. But Black Bloom Rogue, you know, you could still abandon Akiri, take a Black Bloom Rogue and be Red Black Party, which is also very appealing to me. And I think that's a much better deck than Red White Warriors. I don't know. I, I would be very tempted to take Black Bloom Rogue here. Yeah. I, my feeling was I, I knew the power of Black Bloom Rogue, and I didn't quite know the power of Akiri yet, like having not played with it. So that was the tiebreaker for me to to try and stay Red White. Okay, so we're in our team draft. What are you taking here? Try hard. Oh, wait. So this is I have these two cards. I have Akiri and Thundering Spark Mage. Yeah. I want to know on Wednesday, what pick are you making? I think I'm taking Rogue. Okay, I, that's that's what I think I'm taking Rogue as well. So is there is there a card that we could put here in place of Ameria Captain that you're not taking Rogue over? Uh, at Uncommon? I don't think so. If I have Rogue as the second best Uncommon, I don't think there's a card. What about, I guess Roost, what about if it's... Drakes I would take. What about if we put Thundering Rebuke here instead of Ameria Captain? I think I'm still taking Black Bloom Rogue. I think passing MDFC's... As powerful, especially as Black Bloom Rogue is in our team draft, is a mistake. I think there's you could also say the same thing about removal, right? Yeah, I guess. And then like you still have outs to be you still have outs to be the red white, or you still have outs to pivot off it and be red whatever. 
Yeah, I don't know. So are you saying you'd take Rebuke? I think, I think I would take Rebuke over Rogue. So you're taking Royal Eruption too then? I think I would take Royal Eruption over Rogue here in the same spot also for the same reasons that I could still end up in the great red-white deck, but I could also be red-whatever and be pretty happy about it. Yeah, that's fair. And then I guess you know, you also have the knowledge of, I know I sent a black card, so I could maybe cut that later. Right. But we're, yeah. <laughs> we're way down the rabbit hole here. Oh, but I, just, I, just yeah. think, I think these these picks are so interesting where you've got off-color modal double face cards that are very powerful versus a card that's medium to good mm-hmm. in the deck that you're currently drafting, right? Yeah, agreed. So just to sort of wrap up a lot of the things that we've talked about here, going through these draft logs and these picks... I think we are a little less high on modal double face cards than we were last week. Is that fair to say? I think that's fair to say. To me, the value, like, so after having played a deck with no modal double face cards, I never want that to ever happen to me again <laughs> in this format. Can't can confirm that. So I think there's kind of like tiers, right? If you have two to three modal double face cards, you get to play 18 or 19 sources, which is very valuable, right? And still And still not be in danger of flooding, really, because of your modal double face cards. And then I think there's that other tier where you get up into the four, five, six range and you can start to get into the 20 spells, 27 lands deck. And that's a whole nother ball game and kind of a deck in and of itself. Right. So to me, those are the two the two ranges where you want to be shooting for. Either you're in your two color pair and you've got two to three minimum to make your deck a lot more solid as far as like screw flood scenarios, or you've got in the five, six, seven range and it is a big focus of your deck playing those cards, splashing with them. And picking them up with the three commons, the Tazim Raptor, the Hellion, and the Kazandu Stomper. Yeah, I, I am much less inclined to start drafts taking the MDFCs high at this point. Now, obviously, that is something that, that can happen, but I'm much more interested in finding the open color or even better, the open color pair, and then reaping the wo- rewards of, okay, now I get to take MDFCs over, you know, even top commons because I know I'm going to make playables. I know I found the lane and now I get to take these cards and know that they're going to make my deck rather than like bobbing and weaving with them a little bit. Right. That was the situation I was in. I was drafting green black and after pack one, I knew I was green black and I was going to take a green or black MDFC over any card in packs two and pack three. And I never saw any and it felt (laughs) felt real bad. That is a real feel bad. I'm sorry. So I think that that is true. And I think just knowing what your off ramps are when you go after the synergy decks. So, you know, the discussions we're having in this one, even, you know, when you start down red, white warriors, what are the types of picks you're making and what options do those picks leave open for you? And what power level concessions are you making to leave those options open for you? And all of those things are super interesting parts of this format to me. Right. And I also think like archetype ranking or just understanding the tiers of the archetypes for when you make those picks like even what you were just talking about with that black bloom rogue card is like i would much rather be red black than red white and so that's gonna be a consideration there i'd much rather be blue black than black green and so if i've got tiebreakers when i'm in black between blue cards and green cards i'm gonna lean towards the blue cards yes absolutely 100 percent. and i think just giving yourself permission i think one way that a lot of people just from reading the discord and things like that that have gotten themselves in trouble in this format is, you know, people are saying pick modal double face cards highly, and then they attempt to do that when their gut is telling them to do something else. And I think making sure you're consuming content and, you know, you're following advice of the people that are that are giving you, but ultimately in this format, you're going to have to make a lot of tough decisions and you need to make sure that you're doing that with a plan for what you want your final deck to look like, not because some content creator, us, whoever, told you to take modal double face cards highly. Make sure you're doing it with a purpose. Don't listen to us. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great takeaway. 
And with that, we will wrap up the episode. <laughs> Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you so much to Channel Fireball for sponsoring this podcast. We are so excited about that partnership. If you are heading on over to ChannelFireball.com for any and all purchases, uh, booster packs, singles, other product, CFB Pro, which we can't recommend highly enough, please use the code LOL, all caps, when you check out to let them know we sent you there. Uh, you can check us out on Twitch and Twitter, especially at 9 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday, September 30th for the LOL versus LR showdown. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. We're under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later.